How was breakfast? Gary and Nathan. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to the men's breakfast. And here I am. So, uh, I thought about what to share with you guys, and the things that impressed to me are things that we encounter all the time every day. And, and so it's sort of a topical uh, sharing this morning. Uh, I'd like to encourage you with some things, uh, but first let's pray. Father, thank you for waking us this morning. Thank you for the breakfast that we've had. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Uh, Lord, we uh, love you, and we uh, just speak through me, Lord. And uh, thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're flooded all day long from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed with forms of communication. And it's at some point you can almost not even avoid it. Uh, phones, devices, actual face-to-face -face communication. Um, and that's not a bad thing. You know, communication isn't a bad thing. However, uh, there are times where you might want to just not have to communicate, right? For me, I like to communicate in small groups, so this is trembling for me. I would much rather be on a ball field in front of however many people doing things than, than doing this. And I was thinking about Mark's survey that he does at school all the time about you know, the things that people fear the most. And I was talking to my granddad one time. He was an architect, and he uh, was a, to speak at the School of Architecture graduation at University of Virginia. And I said, Grandpa, you know, how do you do that? And he, how can you do that? And he said, you have to know your subject if you know what you're talking about, right? It, it helps calm things. Well, um, this is something that we want to know about, right? Uh, how to serve God with our, with our communication and with our speech. And so that kind of settles things down a little bit, but still, it's, it's, uh, you'll have to bear with me. Um, you know, in John 1.1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And in Genesis 1.3, God said, let there be light. So, speech and communication is from God, right? It's, it's a good thing. It was created, and it has uh, the potential to do good things or to be uh, twisted. Um, it can also be humorous and uplifting. Um, it, it can be destructive and it can cause problems. You know, the, the world historically has used communication in a good way. I mean, Blaise Pascal said, kind words don't cost much, yet they accomplish much. How about Dr. Seuss? To the world you may only be one person, but to one person you may be the world. And Perhaps you will forget tomorrow the kind words you say today, but the recipient may cherish those over a lifetime. Yeah, he, Dale Carnegie you know, wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, I mean, these are just some world examples. I mean, Pascal was a, a French physicist and uh, a very smart fellow. But, you know, we want to review a little bit today. I want to encourage you on some uh, scripture. What does the Bible say about how we're to speak? How, how we're to speak? what we're to say, because um, that's our ultimate guide, right? 
uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun today with some things that I, I pulled out from things other people said. Um, there's an abundance of verses that I want to share. Most of them you already know. And I'm a big fan of Proverbs, and so a lot of them are going to be for Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, <clears throat> sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how you ought to answer each person. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs, stirs up anger. Uh, you guys have all read these verses, and um, they probably mean a lot to you too, but they do me. A tongue of the wise commands knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. To a man, an apt answer is a joy to a man. To man, an apt answer is joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, you know, he's famous for things he said, right? But he's also famous for a lot of things he says. Hey, I'm famous for things I didn't even say, that I was accused of saying, that I didn't say. Uh, I mean, look at this guy. You know, a constant, look at how, how many rings he has on his finger there, fingers there. And, you know, he was a constant for years and years for the Yankees. Many, many pitchers um, pitched to him, but he was the consistent thing, uh, catcher in the back. And uh, so let's get started with some of my favorite yogiisms, and most of them you probably know. Uh, but, you know, they have, he, he has a way of wrapping like three or four jokes into one saying. Like, if you don't know where you're going, you might wind up somewhere else. Sounds kind of goofy, a little silly, but think about it. Everybody knows this one. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Uh, that's good to hear when, you know, somebody, I, I sometimes suffer from, uh, what is it, um, procrastination, inactivation due to procrastination. Sometimes we just need to move. Another one of my favorites, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. I mess, sometimes I mess with patients when I'm at work and I, I say things that, like when they ask me if I like to cook and I say, well, you know, they don't let me in the kitchen because I'm not very good with my hands and I say stuff like that. And just to, just to see, just to see if, if they're listening and sometimes they just kind of like, oh. and, then, and then other times they go, whoa, wait a minute. So, um, and uh, another one of my favorites, nobody goes there anymore, it's too crowded. And we all know what that means. It means the people you want to be with aren't there. There's a bunch of people there that you don't want to be with, right? So, I mean, so there's some uh, philosophy in there. I think Yogi was a brilliant, brilliant man. There's also some uh, other things that were said in the course of history that, that have impacted civilization, some of them pretty, pretty great uh, in, in different ways, good ways and bad ways. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of them, and I think if you guys can guess or someone shout out who said this. I have a dream, everybody knows, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out. All men are created equal. Who said that? Yeah, Martin Luther King said that. 
How about, we shall go on to the end, we shall fight, we shall defend our island. Whatever the cost, we shall never surrender. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. JFK. Here's one, a little bit uh, deeper back in the archives. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Anybody know who said that? The writer of War and Peace, Leo Tolstoy, Russian novelist. Here's another one. Men, their rights, and nothing more. Women, their rights, and nothing less. Who do you think might have said that? Hmm? Yeah. Well, Susan B. Anthony said that. Yeah, close. The Soviet people want full-blooded and unconditional democracy. Who do you think said that? Mikhail Gorbachev. He alone who owns the youth gains the future. Words matter. Yes. Adolf Hitler. Oops. The people who cast the votes don't decide an election. It's the people that count the votes decide the election. <laughs> nice guy there, huh? Death of one man is a tragedy. Death of millions is a statistic. Same guy, yep. And I, I don't have them, but I added a few of my favorites. John Wooden said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Uh, Dan Gable, uh, wrestling coach for Iowa and Olympic champion, um, said, I'm a believer in starting with high standards and then raising them. And he did. Vince Lombardi said, winners never quit and quitters never win. And Muhammad Ali, I hated every minute of training, but I suffered because I knew it would allow me to live a lifetime as a champion. James 3, 5 to 11, uh, kind of just in a nutshell there. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Um, when I was reading through this and preparing for it, I was thinking of Mark's sermon a few weeks back where he was sharing about the Cuban prisoners who were being marched to, uh, to their execution and they were praising the Lord out loud and then um, the, the guards and the, the authorities wound up having to have the people gagged uh, because it was, I guess, impacting them in a way um, that was, they didn't want to hear it. Uh, that's the power of the word. Um, it can boast great things. I think when Jeremy was sharing at the beach, he shared about how trembling about sharing personal. Well, I'm, I'm trembling too, but I want to share some personal stories and then some um, people that you might know stories too. So my personal story about uh, how words have impacted me is, um, you know, I was raised by parents who were very good parents. They were encouraging. They were uplifting to me. They were strict. Uh, I knew where the lines were, um, but I was encouraged and I was um, supported. Um, so I had a good sort of foundation in that area, my mom and dad. 
Uh, when they dropped me off at Elon, they said, study hard, do good, you're on your own. If you clown around, you're on your own. That was about you know, a 30 second out the door and off, off they went. And I knew they meant it. Dr. Danley was another person who personally impacted me. He was a person at Elon. Uh, some of you may uh, know him. He was the president there. He was a chemistry professor. And I had to take a, a class in chemistry, or in a non-science major class at Elon. And so I signed up for chemistry because I'd had a class in high school. And um, it was a good class in high school. So I was prepared, and the, the, the class at Elon was very easy. And uh, so words matter. He came by one time and he asked me, just in passing, have you ever thought about changing your major to chemistry? I was a business major. And I thought, well, no, I haven't. Um, but I went home. This was second year of school. I was already well into my second year there and talked to my parents at Christmas and decided to, to change my major. So one comment from him encouraged me to make a change that has allowed me to do I mean, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't um, be doing what I'm doing today. I'd be doing something else. But it impacted me, nonetheless. The other thing he said to me one time a, a year or so later when, when he was dropping a quiz grade off on my table back in the, when, he, when they would hand quiz grades back, he, he handed the quiz down and he went, you can do better, right in front of everybody there in, in the classroom. And I'm sitting there and I look at my grade and I had kind of uh, duffed on my my studying for that particular quiz, and he did not let me pass. And everybody heard it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> he's right. Well, that didn't happen again. So he hit me on both sides. He was encouraging, but he was also very, very challenging. He also was one of the ministers that married Hope and, and me. Uh, Jack and Ann were, were impacted me in a great way around the time when I was searching for the Lord and uh, wanting to date their daughter. Um, and wanting to share with them who I was, what my past was all about. And with kind of fear and trembling that they were just going to, Jack was just going to tell me to hit the road. And Ann too. And they said, no. They said, you, you are a new creation. You are white as snow. Jesus Christ has forgiven you and accepted you. You're a new person. You can date our daughter. Uh, and then hope has been an, a constant source of encouragement for me. Um, when I, we were in school, um, she always supported me. Uh, when the idea came up to go to dental school, and I said, do you want to go to school? We were, we were in graduate school and just getting ready to go into the Army. And she encouraged me. She said, I'll go wherever you go. I'm with you. And so small words like that matter, folks. Um, so think back to a time, just take a second here, in your own life when someone's words impacted you um, in a positive way. Uh, you can think of the negative ones some other time, but let's think positive this morning, right? So if you think back to you know, an encounter with somebody, maybe a teacher, maybe a relative, maybe a coach. So I think we, we all have, have uh, had situations like that. I do want to share uh, one person who I knew, know really well, uh, my high school baseball coach. This is my high school baseball team. Uh, the fellow in the upper left corner there, his name is Mike Nunley, and he wrote a book recently. Um, and his story is pretty amazing. Uh, he was an orphan. Uh, his mom and stepdad uh, 
were abusing him in Norfolk, Virginia, and so he was taken away and put into a boy's home. But the story, it's pretty amazing how he landed on his feet in life and impacted a lot of people. He was a real good baseball coach, um, pretty demanding. I had some run-ins with him. He didn't want me to swing at balls. He wanted me to walk all the time, and I wanted to hit the ball, so he benched me a few times, but um, I got the message. So uh, he wrote a book called Unchained, and it just came out a couple of months ago, and he texted me and asked me if I would read it, and I, I said yes, and um, I didn't know a lot of this stuff, but as I said, his, his mom and stepdad moved up from Georgia to Norfolk, Virginia, and his stepdad was, and, and mom were, were abusing him when they, when he would, they would leave for work when he got home from school, they would put a chain around his ankle. The other end of the chain was not attached to anything, but the idea was it was going to keep him from running, roaming around because he was a, a mischievous boy, his stepdad said. Well, the authorities found out about it, and his, they were arrested, and he was taken downtown to the Norfolk police station, and they asked him to put the chain back on for this picture. So this picture is a reenactment of what was going on in the house, and you can tell he was ashamed by it. Um, so leading up to that, he's about 11 years old, and he was going to church with some folks in the neighborhood and was getting involved singing in a choir, and he was enjoying being at, in the church setting. And so um, when all of this happened, uh, the minister of the church contacted the uh, Virginia Boys, Home for Boys in uh, Bridgewater, Virginia, and they found a slot for him to go live. And uh, so he, he grew up in a boys' home. And there he was mentored by teachers and counselors and told, you, you do have worth. You are smart. You're a good, he was a very good athlete, so he used sports to feel good about himself or to enjoy life. Uh, so there was a positive side of that. So where this all comes around is he is impacting a lot of, a lot of guys, um, and he does it in a positive way. Um, Billy Graham has said that a coach impacts more people in a year than most folks do in a lifetime, and I think teachers are the same way. Uh, teachers can do that too. So but that's Coach Nunley's story. It's, it's pretty amazing. Switching gears here, I, I gave a talk to a men's breakfast. I don't know, it was eight or eight years ago or more, so most of y'all weren't here. Uh, in my field of dentistry, uh, and specifically in the field of periodontics, there's a, a correlation between, Dr. Davis can speak to this with authority, that there's a correlation between the health of the mouth and the health of the heart. Um, and so somebody who has a healthy oral hygiene has a better chance of having a healthy heart. Folks who have uh, chronic oral health problems can have inflammation and, and infection in the heart. Um, and that's been proven. And so we, it's a, it's a fantastic discovery and it has revolutionized how we can communicate with patients. So I like to, I mean, I, for me immediately it was like, this is true in our faith also from a spiritual standpoint. I know for me, if my heart's rotten, then I'm going to spew some stuff that I probably shouldn't and have to repent for later, right? Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And there's some va uh, verses that, uh, that back this up. You brood vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. 
not so the heart of fools. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. We even have some uh, advice on how we are to speak or, or not speak from someone in authority. The third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Who said that? Yeah. And then another one. How about this? Don't bear false witness. We have to be careful what we say. We also have to be careful on what we don't say. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie. Colossians 3. Proverbs 16. A dishonest man spreads strife. A whisperer separates close friends. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We also have a responsibility to listen and respond appropriately to someone who's communicating with us. Um, Proverbs 15, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I think in our family devotions, my kids heard that verse probably 50 times. You know, I was thinking to an example of a story of someone who didn't listen to God specifically here. You probably know the story. Moses is pleading with God in Deuteronomy, you know, to let him go over in the promised land. And God, remember back in Numbers 20, it should be Numbers 20, not Numbers 12 there. God told Moses to point the rod and lead the people. But Moses and Aaron, Moses chose to chastise the people. And he, he didn't give him permission or give him a directive to say anything to them. So Moses took it upon himself. He chastised them. And the rebuke comes later in Deuteronomy saying, you know, no more of this, Moses. Stop asking about this. I'm not sending you over. However, you are to encourage Joshua. Strengthen and encourage Joshua to go across. You're going to stay here, and you're going to pass away, and we're going to bury you somewhere where nobody knows where you are. So Moses never not got to go. Is it because he was disobedient? I don't know, maybe, partly. But that, I think, is a, that's a good story to encourage us uh, to listen to wise counsel. So you younger guys in here, um, you've got wise dads. Listen to your dad. Listen to other people um, who are sharing wisdom. Uh, and be careful to li- you know, listen to folks who are not giving you wise counsel. <laughs> Don't give them the time of day to do that. Um, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit. I got it a few years ago and um, read it. Um, one reason why I got it was because I saw a TED Talk with her, and I'm not a big TED Talk person, but I watch them every now and then, and I liked what she was sharing. She's a, a PhD, and she was doing a study uh, with West Point at West Point to try to f- 
figure out why some people, uh, if you have a, a pretty much an equal basis of folks qualified, why some, when they get challenged, uh, were able to accomplish things and other people quit. Um, and so she <laughs> boiled it down to a, a, a catchy word called grit. Um, it's called grit, the power of passion and perseverance. And um, in that, a common char characteristic of those who completed the training was that they wanted to help contribute to the well-being of others. And I'm going to read uh, a little bit here. When I talk of uh, grit paragons, they tell me that what they're pursuing has purpose. They mean something much deeper than mere intention. They're not goal-oriented. The nature of their goals is special. However, they say, say it, the message is the same. The long days and evenings of toil and, and the setbacks, the disappointments and struggle, the sacrifice, all this is worth it because ultimately their efforts pay dividends to other people. At its core, the purpose is the idea that what we do matters to people other than ourselves. And so words matter. Uh, they matter greatly to people other than ourselves. Galatians 5, 22 to 26, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not be, become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And what I was thinking about when I was reading this is that the fruit of the Spirit, we have a new spirit in us, we're redeemed. So we have a new character. So the natural character for us is to exhibit those uh, fruits. The sinful man, yeah, we struggle with it, but it is no longer part of us. So when we go the, against these things, that's against our new nature, right? Much easier said than done. Again, back to Mark's sermon from 1 Peter 1, uh, 4.19, where we're serving for God's glory and suffering for God's glory. As Christians, suffering is expected. We don't suffer much in the Western world, but as Christians, if we're out there, we're going to suffer. We don't get a pass on our behavior and our speech just because someone's mean to us or because we're suffering. In verse 19 of First Peter 4, we are to commit our souls to doing good. And when he was teaching on that a few weeks ago, I thought, you know, we're to commit ourselves, our souls to doing good. And that includes with our speech, with our talk, with our communication. Uh, more Bible verses on wise and prudent speech. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, I had a front row seat watching my father-in-law, Jack Newman, for years and years and years. And I can say <laughs> um, I never heard him gossip, ever. And there would be some gossip rolling around the kitchen table and, and at the beach, and there'd be banter going on. And he would sway it into a direction, whether it was through humor, he would defer it. And if he ever got asked, he would find a humorous way to get out of, he just wouldn't do it. And I always admired that about him um, and has given me, uh, at least God is quicker to 
in part to me, you just said something that you probably shouldn't have said. Repent and, and, tell, and tell the person you're sorry. Uh, Proverbs 10, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Um, and I was thinking there with hoping myself, you know, we have four children, raised, married, and we were in an intentional. We hope it was very intentional with them and, and what they would say around the house. Um, you know, use your words. <laughs> uh, I don't want to know what you feel. I want to know what you think. You know, when a child comes, I feel, you know, I'm not, you know, tell me what you think. So we would try to challenge them. And now we have eight grandchildren, and my son-in-law, James, is here, and my Rachel has number nine on the way. So we are both being trying to be intentional with our grandchildren now in that same area. In the little bit of time that we get to spend with them, try to be intentional uh, with their words. Um, some of you know that I, I kind of like to joke around with different words that are overused, and one that comes to my mind, and I have, I catch myself overusing it, and I get the, is the word awesome. Everything is awesome now. You know, this PowerPoint technology is awesome. You know, Taylor Swift is awesome. You know, <laughs> that Maserati is awesome. That lasagna was awesome. You know, no. There's only one entity in the universe that is awesome. And so I am trying to stop using that word. I think Jeremy has heard me squawk on this before, and I catch myself saying awesome to a patient when they tell me something. I go, I should have just said, that's very nice. So uh, it's kind of, yeah, I'm splitting hairs. Uh, but if you do a word study, I think you'll agree with me. So and that's just a personal example. You, you may have other phrases or words that you're using with folks that, that might rub you. Uh, we had the uh, privilege of hearing a pretty neat quote uh, right in our own backyard here a few years ago. You, you remember this one? Sean's dad? That's a, that's a quote that impacted you know, us. I think we all know it, uh, or a lot of us know it. We've, we've um, shared it. Uh, so we're to steward each day with your eyes on that day, the day of redemption. So why do words matter? Because we're going to give an account at the day of judgment for every word that we have spoken. I don't know about you, but that makes me tremble. Because um, I've said some pretty harsh words before. Matthew 12, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Um, when I start getting a little mouthy, uh, some things can come out that I might wish I hadn't said. Have you ever felt that? I should, just shouldn't have talked so much. Um, but guess what? We have a redeemer. And so when we sin or when we have a setback, we have a redeemer who's there and through repentance is 
uh, able to forgive, and he will forgive. I did slip another yogi in there. Uh, you know, his, I think what I read said that this was his most famous one, it ain't over till it's over. And I have news for yogi, it ain't over until God says it's over, right? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of, of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So that's all I have. Uh, I will close with just saying um, I see preaching to the choir here, but you know, we, what we say matters to people, who, who we cross paths with. Um, like one of the quotes, you, know, you might not thought of what you said to somebody that encouraged them, but they're going to remember it for a lifetime. So uh, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a prophet. Um, I, I do feel like I am an encourager. I want to be an encourager. Um, and so for me, this is uh, a precious subject. Um, there are so many ways to communicate now through devices and through um, just groups. And so I would just encourage you to use it to God's glory. And uh, remember, we don't get a free pass just because we're having a rough day. So bless you guys and have a good rest of your day. <laughs>